we'd like to welcome you to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Today's episode is about developing a healthy competitive culture. Competition drives performance, builds strong teams, and can even boost morale. Here's what's coming up. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've always been goal-oriented, but we didn't always have a clear idea of what the goal was. Make sure that there are things in place so that the team can help each other out. I guess that's twofold. I guess there's a natural competition. I think there's some people that are competitive on an individual basis, some people that may be more competitive on a team basis. Uh, so I think you need to find a balance. Occasionally, I have to be careful with the people that I might hire because they want to win at all costs, and I don't want them to win at all costs. I want them to win at the right cost. We need people that are going to be excited about achieving and growing the numbers. For a better business, a better life, a better industry, the Institute's leading edge. Welcome, welcome. Today we are talking about the uh, creating co- uh, healthy competition within our business. And with us, we have uh, Kent Bullard, uh, who runs uh, the Institute. He's the Chief uh, Vice President of Operations. For us, uh, our uh, resident millennial, uh, to help us out in that uh, in that area, um, we have Mr. Tom Lambert, who runs and owns uh, Shade Tree Automotive, is also a consultant uh, with the institute. I look forward to doing great things with Tom. Thank you for being here, Tom. And we have Mr. B.J. Lee, who is a business partner of mine, and uh, we've known each other for. Uh, Longer than I care to count, which means I'm uh, I'm getting too old. So thanks, PJ. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> uh, our discussion today. Oh, by the way, for all of you that are out there, uh, please feel free to uh, uh, chat with us, post on on the online. Uh, we're going to try to pay attention to that so that we can uh, a- uh, answer your questions, uh, etc. So feel free to uh, give us uh, whatever questions or comments that you. Uh, you feel are important, and we will do our best to get those answered for you uh, uh, while we speak. You got some uh, people that uh, know quite a bit here online uh, talking to you. So, um, all right. Uh, uh, to start with uh, creating uh, uh, what I would call creating healthy competition. Uh, so, first, um, uh, to start out, is there is there such a thing as, as healthy competition? What are we really, what are we really talking about here? So uh, uh, let's uh, let's start with um, Tom. Tom, what what, do you, what are we talking about here? Well, I definitely think there's healthy competition, or not necessarily always healthy competition. There's competition going on in your shop and in your office, uh, whether you acknowledge it or not. Um, the techs in your shop. Uh, without even really talking about it, they always know how many hours the guy next to him did. Uh, they always seem to know uh, what kind of job types the tech next to him gets. And then same thing in the office. Uh, when you've got more than one advisor, the advisors always know uh, what the advisor's doing and keep a, keep a close eye on it. And nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be the bottom guy. Everybody kind of wants to be the, the guy or the girl in the business that is uh, doing more than what's expected of them. So in that manner, I think there's always competition, whether you acknowledge it or not. So, and uh, it's up to us as owners and managers to make sure it stays at a, a healthy level. So. 
there was a there was a uh, kind of a funny uh, aside. We I had this software that we did uh, QuickTrack, and QuickTrack literally monitored and displayed uh, real time results on uh, the business. I spent a lot of time on this, and uh, when I was going out selling QuickTrack. Uh, I would put in fake numbers because I didn't know what the numbers were for the shop. So I would uh, put the three guys in, the three techs, and uh, one of them I would put, you know, doing super well, and the other guy I'd put doing fairly well, and the other guy I'd put down at the bottom, you know, in the red, 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 red flash. And the other two guys invariably would turn to the one guy and go, dude, what are you doing? You're slacking off, man. You know, it was, it was funny. It wasn't real competition, but – they were already, you know, kind of playing this game uh, uh, about it. Uh, so what you're saying, if I understand you correctly, is that there is competition uh, going on kind of all around us, and if we're not aware of it, um, uh, it might be unhealthy uh, uh, and, and not good for us the way that it is. Yeah, uh, BJ, what do you, okay, BJ, what do you think about that? Do you think that, um, that there's competition going – is everybody competitive? I mean uh, – uh. Well, I don't. I don't think that everybody is competitive. I think. Um, I think. I think. I guess that's twofold. I guess there's a natural competition. I think there's some people that are competitive on an individual basis. Some people that may be more competitive on a team basis. Uh, so I think you need to find a balance there as to you know when you're pulling your team together and you want it to be competitive. I think it needs to be input from all sides. And like I said, you have support for somebody that might be an individual type person that's not going to work as well in a team environment. Right. Um, but I think either way, however, we get that figured out uh, as a team, I think it's a good culture uh, to create that uh, within our within our team. Um, you know, nowadays we have this gaming culture, right? The new millennials and young people that are out there. So um, I came up with a new word the other day called funify. Right. We have gamify. We need to funify. I think we need to have fun in our business. And I think that's a way of having fun in our business as well. So. I, I think it's a good thing. So, um, uh, if I understand you correctly, you're saying, you know, there, that not everybody is going to want to be competitive, but for those that do want to be competitive, using that or, or having that as a part of your business can not only create fun, uh, but the competition can drive them to do more. Correct. That, that's my belief. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Kent, what, you're the you're the gamer. You know what? What are the advantages of uh, of competition uh, uh, as opposed? Excuse me, not as opposed to, but in relation to, you know, uh, gaming or or looking at uh, numbers, targets, etc. Well, a lot of what I think one of the most important things that it does is it creates tracking. It, it it's making you pay attention to the actual data, to the numbers, to the stats so that you know your performance. It's it's just a way to look at it and say, "Okay, this is how I'm doing. Uh how can I do better?" Because a lot of people don't know. Uh the question of is there a competition and it's there's always a competition and a lot of people don't realize that it's there. It's better to know that you are playing a game than not to. Okay. There's a great author named uh Charles Kunrat and he wrote a book called Scorekeeping for Success, which I read, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. I think it's one of the most important uh, um, books if you're going to manage people that you could read. It's certainly in my top 10 uh, around management. Uh, I believe that just having the numbers in front of people and having them know what they're supposed to do 
uh, creates an in, at least at the very least an internal competition with myself. Uh, I know that I'm supposed to do 40 hours a week. Um, if I'm doing 37, other people are going to know that I'm not doing 40. I'm going to know that I'm not doing 40. And, uh, and it's going to, um, the other thing I, I believe is that when we have a clear goal for our staff, which again, competition goals, uh, those things go hand in hand. Um, I think we have satisfied, better satisfied staff. We have staff that is more confident, uh, in their position, in their job. Uh, because they know that they're hitting their targets. Now, Tom, you've you've seen a a, a very um, you've seen a cultural revolution in your business and a major change in the past, say four or five years. Um, it, it, before, in the beginning, were you guys focused on numbers and targets? And if you were, you know, how did that change? And and why now are you hitting such better uh, uh, better goals and better numbers than you were four or five years ago? Yeah, we've, I mean, we've always been goal-oriented, but we didn't always have a clear idea of what the goal was. So it just never really felt like you were, you never, you never felt at the end of the day, you didn't go home feeling like you won because you didn't, you didn't know 100% what the rules of the game was. So it was kind of tough for myself and my staff to know, okay, that was a win or that was a, a tie or a lose because we didn't really know clearly what the, what the win was. Now uh, I've became uh, kind of the numbers not here. That's 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 kind of what makes me tick. I, I track a lot of numbers towards very clear as a team and individually what exactly what the goal is, so that daily we know whether we won or lost. And uh, now that we know whether we won or lost, we we tend to win a lot more often. So it did break a, it, it almost is uh it's less stressful um, and. Uh, a lot more fun around here and uh uh on top of that it's more profitable as well so all around but it's less less stress more fun but you're winning a lot for sure right yeah so what happens when you're when you're not winning and you're you're actually losing and uh and you still have these targets and these goals that you're not hitting isn't that a demotivator for people isn't that something that uh uh, uh you know makes people unhappy sad uh, miserable in the position? Uh, not, not necessarily because uh, we've been tracking things long enough to where now when we do, say, lose a day or a month, uh, we can sit down as a team and we can dissect it and we know exactly what happened, what went well, what went bad, and we can, uh, you know, within a two-hour meeting, we can, uh, we can get up and know exactly what we need to do this month to, to make sure we win. And we always rebound with a, with a win. We don't, uh, we don't lose back to back very often. So it happens. That's we, life. You know, we can't win everything. We I, try think, I think it, I could really shift here to a management um, uh, uh, podcast instead, because I think, I think one of the keys, and I think you just said it is when we lose, that there's someone or, or some bodies in the company looking at it and going, okay, it happened. So what, you know, um, now what are we going to do? And we walk away with some kind of a plan, uh, that says we're going to do this differently because we hope that this is going to help us win and get back up where we, we need to be. Um, I, I, I think by having that, uh, you know, competition in place where people are driven to, to compete, right. It helps us to shake off the complacency, right. We're, we're just, it's just okay. It's good enough, right? It helps us and it drives us to perform a little better, 
uh, because I think most people want to win. So I think by having that competition, um, it helps to keep that motivation going. So do you think that having a comp, I'm, I'm, I'm shifting on that, I'm riding that wave right now that you just said, BJ. Do you think that by having a, a competition in place, it almost forces our company to start, start to set some targets and goals and, and, and try to figure things out a bit? Even that competition maybe forces management into that, into that role maybe even a little more than they, they would be? I, th- I think it does. I think it does to maybe the performers that – Maybe they're not uh, self-motivated as much as some people. Like for me, I'm just speaking for myself, I'm self-motivated, so I don't need a game to push me to be motivated, right? But some people uh, maybe don't even realize that that's where they're at, and maybe that game and that competition will help to get them motivated and to reach those benchmarks and those goals that we set out, um, you know. I'm thinking about myself a bit. I, I, I literally have fought – my entire life, uh, as long as I can remember, whatever was status quo wasn't good enough. And I was always um, trying to be better. When I was a tech, when I started, I knew nothing about cars. I, I don't know how many hours I did the first week, but it wasn't enough. And then the next week, I decided I was going to do more hours. And then, you know, when I, when I got up to 60 or 70 hours a week, I kept saying to myself, well, okay, how do I do 65 or how do I do 70? Right. I mean, it was always, you know, how do I do one more hour this week or two more hours this week? And even in sales and in business, it's like, okay, I sold 20 grand this, this, this week. How do I sell 25 next week? You know, what do we, what do we need to do to keep pushing that envelope? Um, uh, Kent, you're the, you're the scorekeeper for the service mastery. How has competition changed that? I mean, it's kind of a pain in the, in the butt, right? I mean, some of the guys are, or going, wait a minute, my oh, no, no, no. I, as I think I love it ought to be, but how has it, how has it changed that? I love it. Uh, they're, they're conscious, they're engaged, they're, even if it's bad, if they're upset and is like, uh, like Ben Shelton, who I'm, I'm, he's probably watching right now. He's always like, I don't know, I think it needs a recount. <laughs> you know, even the top guys are now looking because they're, now they're at the top and they go, okay, how do I hold my status here? So it's just a bunch of, it, it's balancing the white hat tactics and black hat tactics. Now that, that's a whole different thing, but white hat would be incentive-based rewards types of things, and black hat is more punishment-based. You need to balance the two. You have to give them challenges, otherwise it's not going to feel rewarding or like they, they've accomplished anything. Um, but also you want to influence people in a, in a positive manner uh, because they're going to want to come back and do the same behavior that you wanted them to do in the first place. Um, so, so having the guys engaged and, compl- and, and, and be like, I don't know about the numbers and, and hit me up in, in, on Facebook through messenger and like, Hey, I, I, I need to see my score. What's going on here. Um, now they're all engaged. They're looking at the numbers. They're looking at their performance and they're comparing themselves. It's, it's great. I love it. They're doing, they're all doing really good. They, they look like they're having a lot of fun through the program right now. So, How, you know, um, okay. So I have a business, uh, per se where, you know, we've, uh, we've been kind of been going along. Uh, uh, the automotive industry can really wear you down. Uh, customers are always uh, complaining about, I can get the part cheaper somewhere else, and why do I have to have this? And, you know, you're constantly dealing with this kind of stuff. How, how, how do you keep yourself motivated and your staff motivated, Tom? Well, for me, it really kind of goes back to just just management um, and the key um, 
uh, the way we teach management is to manage by numbers and results. So we've all got uh, we've all got goals. Uh, we've got individual goals and we got team goals. Uh, my particular business uh, team goals trump any individual goals, but obviously everybody has to hit their individual goal for the team to win. I've found that uh, it it's usually more motivating to do something for somebody else than do something for yourself. So if you foul up your numbers and it uh, makes you a little bit short on your check, um, that doesn't seem to drive home as heavy as if you foul up your numbers and it affects yours and your your team's check, you know. So, mm-hmm. so we definitely focus on team goals, even though we do have individual goals. And though, even though we are kind of have a little bit of inside competition that, you know, if, uh, if, if Brian can sell, you know what I mean? A hundred thousand dollars this year, I sure wish I can, I I hope that I can at least do one Oh one so I can be the winner, even though we both won because the team just, just slayed it, you know? So that's, that's a way you're, you're balancing the punishment there. So nobody's going to be completely, taken aback, but it's also that accountability piece is so important to have the team goals so that they're held accountable to everyone on the team. Yeah. Nobody wants to be the weak. Nobody wants to be the weak link. And then, uh, you know, we're all going to have your days, you know, uh, if you work 21 days, uh, you're not going to be on your a game 21 days. So you have a, you have a healthy team to where you can, you can kindly admit, Hey, today's not my day. Uh, this customer is, I, they rough me up every time. So, hey, Russ, how about you uh, let me turn in my easy card today? We get a few of those every month. How about you take care of, uh, you know, Mr. Smith because he's he's a mean guy and I just, today's my, not my day to, to, to deal with him. And then you just kind of work as a team and that's how you get through it. You're, you're never going to work a full month straight and not, and not have a day where you... Uh, get beat down a little bit. You're always going to have that day where you bid every ticket the same way you did every other day of the month and everybody tells you no. And then you're always going to have that day where you bid every ticket the exact same. Everybody tells you yes. And you're the hero. So you just got to, uh, we teach amnesia. Um, if you, if you have one of those days that everything sucks, uh, you know, it's five thirty six o'clock at six Oh one, you have amnesia. We don't even think about or talk about that day anymore. Let's, uh, let's remember back to the day that we were the hero. So that's how we do it. I was just going through shop numbers with some of our shops, and I think some of them wanted to have amnesia. Um, <laughs> and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there are days, uh, even weeks, uh, sometimes where you say, you know, it just didn't work the way I want. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're going to go move forward and, uh, and, you know, put that energy and effort into uh, uh, something else. Uh, BJ, when you, when you have people on the team who won't – play the game who won't be competitive uh, what do you do with someone like that well i think that um, there are people that are not naturally competitive right um uh, and i think that um you know you try to push them to be competitive uh, that could start to disrupt to ruin the culture right i think um um they may are there's people that may already maybe meet performance levels but not necessarily into competition right like um i don't know like i was saying about for me being self-driven i mean i need that competition um but i think the newer generation is more gamified so it's more of a natural fit um i think somewhere in there you find a balance uh between old school and new school 
right? And you find a good competition that works well with everybody as a team because, you know, I mean, unless you have everybody, there's all millennials, they're all gamified and everybody's on the same page, you know, that's completely different. And I, and I don't know that that's reality, you know? So I, I think you just find good, good competition between everybody set your goals and some people may get at it a little differently, but as long as they're achieving our, our benchmarks and stuff and, and, and everybody's doing okay. I, I think, um, you know, you just try to find that balance that works with everybody. If, if, you, if you go into it and you, you give them something that they can work towards, even if it's somebody who's not competitive in nature, humans want immediate feedback. That's, that's something that we, we do this, it does this. And so being able to have those numbers right in their face uh, as soon as they do something and can course correct it, it's just beneficial, period. Whether or not they're playing a game, they still are interested in the results and will adjust accordingly, even if they're not of the mind of I'm competing against someone. They go, oh, I could probably do better than that. What if I do this? You know, they're going to try new things. They're going to look at it and adjust rather than just ignoring it and not paying attention to those things. I want to I want to Even us old guys? Even us old guys. Even the old guys. <laughs> um, in fact, the old guys sometimes seem to be more competitive than the young guys. Um, I want to bring something uh, to light that you, that you said, BJ, I think that is, is really, really important. Um, when when they're meeting the minimum standards, when they're meeting the standards, um, if they don't want to compete, but they're still hitting all the targets and goals that they're supposed to have, then who cares uh, in, a, in a sense? Um, they have to be managed. Everyone has to have a minimum performance standard, and they have to do that. I mean, Seth says, you know, if they're not playing, uh, bench them and find better talent. And, and I, I have... I think there's two things. First of all, I think you need to be loyal to your employees and, and your other employees need to see that. So if somebody right. is, so if somebody is performing, doing their job, um, they shouldn't fear for their job. Right? Um, right. But I think on the other hand, you also have this thing of if they're not performing, if they're not, if they're not taking this seriously and they're not hitting their minimum standards, then management has to do something about that. Or the other players get discouraged and think the game is rigged, that they, right. there's no way to win. Right. Um, uh, what What do you think happens, Kent, when there's no way to win the game? They stop playing. They'll go play something else. Okay. Immediately. And what happens to the? What about the ones that stay and keep playing even though they know they can't win win the game? Oh, they're gonna get their performance is gonna drop. They're not gonna. It's gonna be almost like they feel like they're trapped and and nobody's gonna f- perform well in that kind of setting. They, so. It, to me, it's such a it's such an interesting piece right here that you're that, that we're talking about because I go into shops and I talk to uh, employees who who are at that point where they don't feel like the shop is ever going to change and, and yet they're still there, but they're barely there. They're doing I would say even um, I talk about organic um, uh, where the where the company's running organically. And then where the company's managed, and managed is always better than organic. Organic is is always at the minimum level, and it's just enough to keep the owner from yelling at me, or just enough to keep my job. And I see a lot of employees that are performing at this level because management is not creating the game. Uh, to me, all of business is a game. To me, sales is a game. To me, uh, you know, getting uh, twelve cars in my shop is a game. Uh, to me, finding people that will buy. You know, $800 on their car is a game. Uh, 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 it's all a game. And, uh, and, and, and I win and I lose uh, routinely uh, in, this, in this game that we play. Um, what, 
What I'm going to ask a question that, that I that I know the answer to, or at least I think I know the answer to, and I'm going to start with Tom. What are the attributes, Tom, of a really good uh, salesperson at your counter? If you, if, if you were to say, uh, uh, these are the four things that absolutely I have to have with the salesperson, what are they? Uh, for me, confidence uh, is, is probably the biggest thing. So uh, uh, people bring their car into us uh, because we're the, because we're the best. Um, and uh, they just want to know that everything's going to be okay. They're dropping off of the, their vehicle. Their vehicle uh, affects their day. Um, you use, we use it, we're very reliable on our vehicles. Um, so, so they want to know that the person that they're talking to, that they're handing their keys to, is the, is the person that is just going to take good care of them. They're going to do exactly what they say they're going to do. So, um, so we don't really teach much sales. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't really go to classes and learn tactics of how to convince somebody that doesn't want to do something into doing something, really. Um, it's more of a... Uh, presenting yourself on the phone and in person in a manner to where you are now the doctor or you are the, you are the man or the woman that is, is going to take care of things. Uh, and from there, um, outside of confidence, we look for just, uh, just a positive attitude. You can't fake it. Like if you're a, if you're an honest and happy person, um, uh, people can sense that if you have to fake that, uh, people are, you can only fake so much so people know. So those are the top two attributes of people that work in my office uh, uh, as far as face-to-face uh, -face with the customers. Those, that's what I look for in a, in a good salesperson, you know. Okay. Um, I have people ask me all the time, you know, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire, I'm going to look for somebody. And I think confidence as far as sales goes, sales goes is one of the most important things anybody can have. But I think along with that confidence is somebody that wants to win um, uh, almost at all costs. I mean, uh, 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 in in my opinion, that occasionally I have to be careful with the people that I might hire because they want to win at all costs, and I don't want them to win at all costs. I want them to win at the right cost. Um, uh, we need people that are going to be excited about uh, achieving and stretching and, and learning new things and growing the numbers uh, uh, in our companies. And those people are going to do really well uh, in, a, in a competitive environment. Um, um, uh, uh, BJ, when does competition uh, become a negative to my company? Um, I think when we take it to the extreme, uh, and I think we try to overperform and overachieve by way of, um, you know, let's put it this way. If we know um, what the normal benchmarks are, right? Let's say, let's say, for instance, if we know that um, our sales goals are this and we're trying to overachieve and by overselling or something of that nature just to reach our, our competitive goal, I think that's a negative and we should never be done, right? Um, we have an idea of what it should be based on a lot of data and input that we put together, right? Uh, we don't just pull numbers out of our whatever, right? We know what that should be. So we know when somebody, I mean, we know of clients we've had in the past where we thought that they were overselling, right? And we've talked 
talk to them about that. So that could be a case of overselling things that, you know, we don't want to fabricate things. We want to be legitimate. We want to be honest with what we're finding and what we're selling to our clients, but we don't want to overdo that because of a competition, right? I know, I know that some people that, that are going to watch this are going to say, wow, um, in my company, I, I'm really nervous because if I create that competition, I'm worried about my, my people trying to oversell, my people trying to sell stuff the car doesn't need, my people cutting short, you know, creating shortcuts that they shouldn't. I, I've never had that problem. I'm not saying that I didn't have to manage people and create a real ethic, but I've never had people in my company that routinely did something that they shouldn't do because I managed it. I didn't let them. Uh, I, I watched the numbers. I knew what it should be. Um, uh, uh, we just don't, I mean, it has to be legal, moral, and ethical uh, for us mm -hmm. to do it in our company. You know, a lot of guys come to me and they say, well, what if we, um, what if we, uh, 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 you know, how much productivity can I get out of a tech? And I've got some guys that they want to set a goal of 150, 160%. And to me, that pushes the employee into a position where they'll, they're going to almost have to do something wrong to get there. I don't think that a good employee who works hard and does everything right and, and is honest is going to put out 160% routinely out of their business. Now, it's not that I haven't ever seen somebody do that because I have. I've had three or four guys that work for me that could do that all day long and never make a mistake. But for the average person, I think there's kind of a a standard that we need to set and say, look, this is a, a very respectable thing. Now, Kent, you wanted to jump in twice, so we'll let you jump in. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you have to balance the system. Like, you're, you're talking about issues where people are going to be overselling or they're going to cut corners. Uh, you should be implementing things that would uh, dissuade people from using those tactics. Um, I know, like, in our advisor program, we have some stipulations. We have some things that we are monitoring to make sure that people aren't going to be breaking the game, right? We don't want them breaking the game because then that, that makes it unfair for everybody. It has to be balanced. So when you're setting those goals, they have to be realistic and they have to fit within the confines of what the game has been structured to be. If it comes from a moral standpoint, from we're going to be, uh, we're going to be legal, ethical, uh, moral, all of those things, uh, you should be building your system around that, um, and, and reward them for the behavior you want them to see. Like, uh, they took such good care of this customer, uh, they get extra points in some sense because they did the behavior I wanted them to do. Okay, I'm going to do a, a little uh, a blatant self-promotion. We're going to shout out right now. And the <laughs> shout out, and the shout out is, is really not to any one individual. It's to the Service Advisor Mastery Program. Um, the results and the numbers that we're seeing uh, from the participants in the class and the participation is extremely exciting to me. It's, it's, it's more than I could have expected. So, uh, you know, shout out to all of those service advisors that are going through the service mastery program and all the energy and effort they're putting in to learn new things and apply them uh, within their within their business, and to um, our and to our people that are are supporting that and working that and putting that all together and maintaining it, it's, they're doing a great job. Yeah, they are. It's a, and it's a big job, frankly. It's a bigger job than we thought it would be. <laughs> it's so uh, much right. fun, though. Uh, oh, yeah. I love seeing, uh, you know, my, my favorite um, reward for the game, uh, um, it's not the big paycheck uh, that I might take home. My favorite reward is seeing other people uh, ex uh, exceed my expectations, do better <laughs> and, 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 um, and, and grow and learn. That's my, my favorite reward for the game. 
Um, can I can I give a shout out to uh, Carly and Alex who did phenomenal and and just blew us away. I, like oh, yeah. that just makes me so happy that it worked. Ugh, it was good stuff. I just wanted to say thank you for being awesome, guys. I can't. Uh, and the other thing, I, it, they're so young, all of them, or many of them in our in our in our uh, our uh, mastery program. And, and I wasn't there when I was their age. I was nowhere near where they're at. I can't imagine how good they're going to be as they as they develop and grow throughout their life. Um, what an exciting uh, thing to be involved with young people and and be able to help them. All right, um, now that's a that's enough of that shout out. Um, uh, uh, so um, uh, one of the questions we have on here is, can competition ruin your culture? And I think the second question is the is the important question here, and is what should we avoid or keep an eye out for if we are creating this competitive culture, which I know I've done in my business. Uh, I know Tom's done it in yours. I know BJ, you've been involved with that. Kent certainly sees it in our company. What do we need to uh, look out for uh, um, in in this competitive uh, culture that we're creating? BJ, I don't know. I thought. I guess one thing I can think of is that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, is trying to you know push people that are not naturally competitive. Um, I think we want to break it to them. Uh, as a team, um, right? Uh, we don't want to. We don't want to go in and shake the tree and say, "Hey, by the way, now we're doing this, and this is the competition we're going to have." Uh, if we're putting some sort of competition uh, in place, because I think you can ruin the culture if you start forcing something. It's kind of like if you try to make that person get on the stage and speak, uh, and he's very fearful of being on stage, and you, but you make him try to do it anyway. That's going to ruin him, right? Uh, so I think by by you know, bringing them together as a team and them having input on what that competition or the benchmarks are, you know, being involved with that whole process will make it work much better, I think. Um, you know, like I said, there's people that are um, like myself that, I, you know, I may not need it because I'm self-motivated and I want to succeed and it's just I'm natural that way. That's who I am. Uh, I don't think I need to be gamified uh, to succeed, but I'm, I'm willing to be involved in the game. Right. Um, but the, but the, I think the younger people are, it's a natural fit because they're naturally in the gaming world, which makes things gamified in their world and more competition and stuff. So I think it's easier for them. So I just want to make, it's just say, I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is that I really think, um, you know, bringing them together, um, you know, rather than pushing them together, I guess you might say Does that makes sense. Kent, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. I, but and if can I chime I, in? What? Yeah, but, yeah, but, okay, go <laughs> I was, ahead. I, I was going to say one thing, and and the it's the it's the entire reason why I keep track of the gaming industries because one of their biggest things is they have to incentivize people to play their games. They have to get buy-in. They have to get acceptance, and they can't force a game on somebody. It's not fun that way. So a lot of the things that you're talking about right here about forcing it, you can't force it. You got to talk to them. You have to show them. And, and say the parameters and what the game entails and say, is this something you guys want to play? Is this something that you want to do? And when it's their choice, they're going to be much more invested rather than if you're like, you're doing this now. Just my two thoughts on that one. When, when you have um, uh, uh, this competitive culture that we're talking about, kind of this gaming culture within your business, it comes along with some other things. I, I think it comes along in order to even develop it. 
first of all, somebody has to be talking about what the targets are. So, you know, and, and what's reasonable. And, and I would tell you in managing people, just in managing people, period, um, I need them to buy in to the target, whatever the target is, whether it's on an individual basis or whether it's on a team basis or a whole company basis or whatever. You know, if, if, if people don't believe in the ability to achieve the result, um, then I'm in trouble from the start, especially if I force that on them. So there's this idea that I'm communicating on a routine basis with my staff. They've got to be comfortable. They've got to trust me. Um, they've got to trust the group, the, the team, the people. Uh, and they're communicating, and we're having discussions about, hey, you know, we've done, in our company, I remember we did like 64000 one week. And, uh, and of course, we, we had a very uh, pro- productivity-based culture, a, a com- competitive-based culture, uh, we had a good reward system in place for the individuals and the team, and then uh, and then uh, we did sixty four thousand, and and people were coming to me and going, okay, what's the next what's the next thing, right? Um, we actually we actually stopped, and and the next week we took two hours and we took them uh, and we and we fed them, and then we played laser tag as a, as a company as a reward. And, and afterwards, people were coming up to me and going, okay, what, what's next? Is, is it 70000 Is it 68000 You know, what, where's the next fun spot uh, for us to be? Um, that's, creating a, that's creating a culture. If you're not managing it, though, if you're not regularly communicating, uh, if you're not helping people believe in the numbers, uh, believe in the, their ability to, to reach those targets, I don't think you ever get their buy-in into the game. Right, um, Tom, you've been you're sitting there shaking your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what? How are you managing that in your business? I mean, do you have to have regular meetings? Do you have to have communication? Are you asking about the numbers? You know, what is what's creating that culture in your company? Because you're really doing exceptionally well right now. Yeah. So I talk this word a lot, transparent. Um, I share all my numbers with everybody. Um, so, and then I make it clear to everybody what their role is in those numbers. So, so take for instance, uh, I talk about sales with my technicians, but I would never, uh, I would never have any kind of competition about sales with the techs because they can't, they don't fully control that. So, so I, I, even though I talk about sales and average repair order and productivity and car count and all those numbers with everybody, I then break down those numbers and explain how each position and everybody in my shop, how they affect those numbers. Um, so that, so that we all, so that, uh, it, I just never want to go out to somebody and say, oh, all right, Mr. Tech, uh, we are now doing things this way because I decided that and that's what I say, just go do it. Um, anytime we decide to continue doing something or change something, it's very important to me for everybody to understand why we came to that decision and why we're doing it. So. So even though I talk about everything with everybody, everybody kind of knows what their role is in reaching said goal. And uh, I think it's important to know that everybody's kind of competing with their own numbers rather than competing with everybody's numbers next to them, you know. So, uh, and, and you constantly have to do that because, uh, you know, uh, a, good, a good instance would be I'm, I'm hiring a fifth guy right now. And uh, 
on a slow month, I need four guys. On a busy month, I need eight guys. Um, so obviously on a slow month, guy number five, it's going to be clear that guy number five, you're going to be a little bit bored in February if we hit the same numbers we hit this year in February. But this is why you're paid this way and you're going to be okay. Um, that way he doesn't feel bad and feel like he has to go with my my number one guy uh, that's going to be fed no matter no matter what, he's just shoveled work because he's just a maniac, and he he's proven for ten years now that I can't overwork him. You know what I mean? So that the new guy doesn't think he has to compare numbers wise with my ten-year guy. You know, everybody has their own their own individual goals, so they're competing with themselves rather than across the shop. If that makes sense. So. Okay, so one of the questions that I have in my my list of questions is: uh, Can you be competitive and still be a team? Um, I think that you just gave us part of that answer. You know, the team has a goal. Everybody has their place in that goal. Maybe one guy is putting out 70 hours, another guy's putting out 30, um, and that gets us to 100, and that's the goal. The goal is 100, and your goal is 70 and yours is 30 because you're more likely to do that because you're more capable, because you've been around longer, you have more knowledge, whatever that is. Um, I think uh, uh, creating a cookie cutter, everybody has to do, you know, 60 hours a week. Uh, uh, I think you're going to put too much stress and strain on the people. Uh, some people are going to naturally do it. Other people are going to struggle. I know in my shop, you know, I had guys that routinely put out 40 hours a week, but I had guys that did 65. Um, and if I asked my 40-hour-a-week guy who was very consistent, didn't give me any crap, uh, you know, uh, kept his bays clean, blah, 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 showed up early, stayed a little late. Um, if I asked him to do 60, uh, I, I, I might have ruined him. In fact, I probably would have ruined him because it just wasn't in the cards for him. And then my 60-hour-a-week guy, if I asked him to do 40, he'd probably go nuts because uh, 60 is what he's used to. I think we have to, as managers and owners, we have to kind of try this, tie this into the individual's I mean, I know what the whole game has to accomplish. I know what we have to sell in the company to put the money in the bank. And uh, if everybody does their part, uh, I think then we win. I think having pay plans that reward the individual and the team are, are, are very important if we're going to create this kind of competitive uh, environment. Um, Kent, I got you shaking your head. Um, uh, do you think that... Uh, paying people for the team and the individual is essential to what we might do here. Definitely, definitely. the the whole The whole point of implementing something like this would would be to, re, you know, unite everybody. I mean, like even with the service advisor program, we've got people like, hey, I know that this person's kind of a little behind. How can we help you? You know, so because everybody's invested that one person is part of the entire chain to getting an overall reward, but they also have their own individual performance that they need to be monitoring. And then maybe that's what helps, you know, however you want to calculate that or, or put it out in their performance. Uh, as long as everybody's still going towards the same goal and everybody kind of will get a win from it. Even if say one person outdoes the other person, if there's, there's, you separate those two things. So even though they won this, the whole team won this other thing. Uh, it's very unifying. Okay. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about, you know, my experiences 
uh, over my lifetime with shops and and uh, and trying to motivate employees and trying to have a competitive and a and a progressive culture uh, uh, in my company. And I'm thinking that there are just some people that just don't fit in that and can never fit in that. Um, what do you do with someone that uh, doesn't fit into that kind of a culture, BJ? You fire them. <laughs> no. um, you know, I think, I think, like I've said before, I think it's something that, you know, I think you start out by not uh, shoving it or forcing it down their throats, right? I think we discuss it with them. We discuss it as a team, right? Uh, we let them give input on how it will work, um, you know, get them to buy in on it. Um, uh, if it's their idea, you know, and they have a have good input, uh, they're more apt to work uh, with it, right? Because uh, they'll own it. But uh, I think if it goes over a period of time and, and, and you've got one person that just cannot perform, um, you know, we talk to them, we try to get them to perform however we need to do that. But ultimately, uh, if that's going to be a weak link for the team, then we need to get somebody in there that matches our fit, you know? It's, it's also, you got to expect some of those things. Some people have other weaknesses than other people's other people do. And you need to account for that. You need to make sure that there are things in place so that the team can help each other out. If there's no way for them to be like, well, your performance is, is really bad. I, I can't do anything about that to help you. And you haven't put in, in place those things for a teammate to be able to come in and say, hey, let me help you out. Then it's going to be really, really, you're not going to be able to get that person to perform because you haven't set them up to get any kind of um, support whatsoever. I think um, it's very, very important that someone is managing and watching and paying attention. Um, if we keep a, a, a team member on the team that, that continually drags the team down and doesn't allow the team to succeed over a long period of time, and uh, because we can't, terminate them for whatever reason. And I don't mean can't in the sense that uh, if I terminate them, I'm going to have a heart attack and die. I mean, because I don't have the emotional wherewithal to go in and, and, and terminate them or, 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 or because I'm afraid that I can't replace them or whatever that is. I think it demoralizes the whole company and all the people that might be performing at a very superior level. Um, it might even chase them away from my company. So I think you know, one of the keys to being successful in business is having somebody that is paying attention to those kinds of things and uh, and working on those kind of things with people and and realizing, hey, this guy probably or gal probably is not necessarily a good fit for us. Um, and yeah, so maybe, the, yeah, I think if you've got that one, say you've got one one piece of this whole core that is weak and it's bringing, breaking down the rest of the core. I think you can't, you can't support that long-term, you know, you've got to make the change. If you don't make the change, I think you're telling everyone else that they're not gonna, that there's no way to win. Right. right. And I don't want anyone on my team thinking that we can't win the game. Right. Uh, um, all right. So uh, we got some people online who are contemplating uh, creating a competitive environment. Currently, they just uh, don't have it, so they're gonna they're gonna uh, try to create a competitive environment. What advice would you give them, uh, BJ, about creating a competitive environment in their business? Um, I think first you need to set 
your goals and set the benchmarks and what's accepted, what the acceptable level is. Um, and, and everybody needs to be informed on that and, and involved in that discussion. And then uh, reach out and get input from everybody, right? Everybody within that team. And let's build some sort of a competitive structure around that uh, where everybody, you know, can work towards winning, right? At, at individually and as a whole, you know, um, whatever that may be. There's lots of variables to that and a whole nother whole nother discussion to that. But I think, um, you know, I think having them involved in the whole process, just like Tom says with his team, everybody has input and say in what we're doing. Um, you know, I think there it's more apt to succeed that way. Okay. Um, Tom, what would you tell them? Well, so create the competition. So a game, um, as an owner and a manager, how I win the most is I rig the game. Um, that's the easiest <laughs> way for me to win is, uh, uh, not necessarily cheat, but uh, I know what games I can win and I know what games I can't. So the ones I can't, I just don't play that game. So, so you have <laughs> to be very thoughtful and tactful when you're setting up the, the competition uh, culture. Um, you got to be very clear what the result is you want. Um, so don't create a game not really knowing where you want the game to end you start at the other end. Uh, we want this result. You create the game around it, and then you know, and then from there you break it down. You've got so many teammates on your team. You make sure you don't have teammates competing for things that they don't directly affect. So you don't have techs competing for sales, and you don't have advisors competing for productivity, right? You make sure everybody uh, has their strong suit uh, on a football game, you don't reward the kicker on how many uh, completed passes there were. You know what I mean? So make sure you have all your teammates competing in their right area, and they should really be competing with themselves, not competing with the person next to them because uh, you can't have 10 quarterbacks on your team and, and win. You need you need one and maybe a backup and so on and so forth. So, so rig the game. Be smart of putting people in a position where they can win. And uh, more often than not, you, you win the game that way. So. I, have a, I have a rule that you, you can't hold someone accountable for something they don't have uh, responsibility over, that they, have no, no, that, that, that they can't affect. Yeah. Uh, and so I absolutely agree with you. I love the rig the game comment because one of my life rules is don't play in games you can't win. Yeah. Um, when I know I'm not going to win the game, I walk away and go somewhere else where I have an opportunity or a chance of winning. Uh, sometimes the odds are fairly slim and I still want to play, but um, there has to be the ability to win uh, and the thought that I will win in order to really motivate uh, uh, myself, I know, at least. Yeah. Um, what about setting, um, you know, we, we, we have shops that we get in and we know that they're, they're not hitting the numbers they should, and they're, they're very far away from where they ought to be. So right, right now we're doing 700,000. We really ought to be doing a million too. Do we play a million two game? Uh, uh, do we not talk about the million two game and only play the $800,000 game or do we do both? Do we, do we have to cover both things? Um, uh, BJ. I'd say we do both. Um, uh, intermediate and long-term goals, right? Um, here's where we're at today. Here's ultimately where we're going to be in the end or towards the end. So let's work and trend towards that direction. Okay. So today here's what we need to do start getting this stuff in place it, you know it doesn't happen overnight it takes a little time to get that done so 
No, I believe in setting intermediate and longer, long-term goals um, and working towards them, right? Um, you know, and sometimes it takes a little bit and the light bulb goes on, lots of things change and maybe we get there a lot sooner. But um, um, I, think, uh, I think you have to have both. I think there's an interesting thing. If, if we focus on the short-term goal and only the short-term goal, when we hit it, they're not ready for the next goal and, and they're thinking I'm moving the target. I don't want to be moving the target. I want the target way out there. And then we're going to have a short-term target now. If I focus on the long-term goal and I don't talk about the short-term targets, then they don't think it's possible. Oh, my gosh, we're only doing 700000 How do we do a million two? It's not possible. I have to create mm -hmm. a possibility in their mind and, and a path, a, a way to show them, look, we, we'll get to eight, and when we get to eight, we'll go to nine. When we go to nine, we'll go to one. Um, I think I have to do that as a manager, uh, uh, as an owner, as a leader, uh, in order to get people buy in and, and see that, um, uh, Kent, what would you tell people that are contemplating, uh, trying to create a competitive environment, uh, in their business? Um, I, I would say that you need to start by being thoughtful, contextual, and fair when you start building these systems. And like, and like, uh, uh, Tom was saying earlier, you need to define the win state. You need to define what a win is, and it has to be something that's attainable. Um, going back to, talking about short-term and long-term goals, they have to understand what a win feels like. They have to understand the parameters and, and, and that. So when you go and you define your goals, you have to set clear rules and parameters for the players of the game to follow so they know exactly what gets them that win state. So they know exactly the trajectory and the things that will get them that win state. Um, I would say plan before you start implementing. Make sure that you kind of walk yourself through the, the, the path or the journey beforehand um, so that you know and understand, kind of like Tom said, I, I, I rigged the game. I know what the end state's going to be if I do this. Um, and then follow through with a lot of the execution on it. Um, get the win. Show them their journey. Show them mile markers or progress or something like that uh, that gets them their short-term, their mid-term, and their long-term goals. And they should all, all those goals should align with whatever the main goal is at the end. Okay. Um, I think it, it, it's so important that you get the employee to buy into and believe in uh, the targets and the, and the goals and their ability to uh, ultimately achieve that. Um, and they have to keep building people up kind of on a, on a continuous, uh, on a continuous basis. Um, we're, we're getting uh, towards the end, but I, I think, is it worth going through, uh, uh, some struggles, uh, uh, with goal setting and, and hitting targets and, and employees in order to create a competitive environment? I mean, can I get the same job done, in a non-competitive environment, or do I do I really need to create one uh, within my individuals in my company and within my company and, and the teams within my company? Tom? Well, I believe, uh, going back to the beginning, I believe you're going to have uh, some form of competition going on whether you acknowledge it or not. So uh, as the leader, as the owner or the manager, it's important for you to set what the competition is going to be or else it's going to organically be going on and, and, and could, could be negative. So it's important as a leader to, to just 
just acknowledge it. You, just because you stick your head in the sand doesn't mean the, the, the competition's not still going on. So it's there whether we acknowledge it or not. So I think it's important for us to acknowledge it and guide it so it's healthy competition and not potentially damaging competition. So. I would I would make another um, uh, observation, and that is because I have a competition, it's really nice then to create rewards that matter to the people that are doing the competition. Uh, so make things that might may, things that might be good for me may not be good for someone else on my team. Uh, you know, give me the giant paycheck, tell me how great I am, uh, uh, I'm ready to go. Uh, but maybe for someone else, it's a couple of extra days off or or something else that has nothing to do with what would uh, reward myself. Uh, BJ, uh, what would you say about, um, you know, creating that competition? And uh, 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 since we already have one, is it necessary that we formalize it, create it, uh, uh, make sure people are aware of it? No, I, th I think I think it's um, I think it's natural. I think we're in the competition state. People may just not realize it, but um, uh, discussing that and kind of going into my final thoughts I was thinking about here was that, you know, competition may not be for everyone, uh, even though they're in it and don't even realize it. Um, uh, we have a few different types of people out there, right? Millennials, baby boomers, et cetera. So I just say keep that in mind when building your team or competitive environment, you know, find balance so that everybody can be included in a way that, that uh, makes them comfortable and they fit in within the team. Um, but yeah, I think it's very necessary. Um, uh, maybe that they're not gotta, aware of it, but I think by setting your goals and benchmarks, you're making them aware of that. And you're. But I gotta ask. Team. I gotta ask. I gotta ask you a question because I, I, I somewhat disagree. Um, uh, I'm building a team, a business that's going to achieve high numbers. That that that's that's the whole thing. I don't want to be mediocre. I mm -hmm. want to be the best. Whatever we do, I want to be the best. Isn't it necessary that I find people that are competitive that want to be the best, like myself? Yes, um, but you may not have them today. Well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, I, I do, I do. How dare <laughs> um, But, but um, if I keep a team of people who don't want to be competitive, who don't really, I don't know. To me, the idea of not having some kind of competition in the world, in my world. It, it's foreign. I don't know how to, it's like, it's a complete different world. You know, it's a bizarro world. Uh, oh, let's go to work. I'll, I'll show up. I'll do whatever. And, you know, go home at the end of the day. And I, I can't even, I can't fathom that. I mean, mm -hmm. if I, if I come to work and I don't get something accomplished, done, finished, um, um, I go home at the end of the day and I'm like, uh, I didn't do anything today. What a horrible day. Um, can I have a very successful team with a bunch of people on it that aren't competitive, that don't? No, no. Okay. no. I think no. When you say a bunch, I'd say not a bunch, no. Um, but I think in today's environment, when we've got such a shortage of, of people out there, good technician, qualified technicians and stuff, and we're working on, on that, right? We may have, you know, five people on our team, and we may have one of those that aren't that competitive person that does okay and still meets the minimum benchmark that doesn't really play into the whole team thing as much as everybody else. It doesn't mean that we're going to go fire that person today or get rid of that person today, but we are always going to be seeking out the top performers, you know, the, the competitive people, because we want to, we want to be at that top level and we want everybody to be there. Um, right. So, so what I'm saying, uh, making them 
comfortable and fit in. I think we're trying to bring the whole team together and everybody's comfortable as possible. But I think, you know, I've said this before that, you know, we always want to be looking for top talent, right? Because there may be that one one leak, weak link that we want to replace to get the top performer in there. So, um, you know, uh, I mean, you know, if there's a lot of shops out there, they have a lot of good people and a lot of them that have, you know, weak, some weak people on their team. Um, it's just, a, it's just, you know, going through hell trying to find them, get the right people in there. But, uh, All right. you know, we got to We got, we're, we're at the end. I knew, I knew we were going to get there and, uh, I knew it was coming. Uh, you each got about 20 seconds, uh, to, to give us your last thoughts. Kent, uh, we're not starting with you. You're going to, we're going to end with you and you're going to take us out, uh, with the, uh, uh, the class information about our next, uh, leading edge. Um, uh, Tom, 20 seconds. What, what do you tell these guys? Oh gosh, I talked a lot. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll move along quick. Uh, just, uh, acknowledge that there is a competition and make sure you're managing it and guiding it is my, uh, final thought. Somebody's got to stay at the helm, BJ. And I kind of rolled my last one into my final thought. So we just made it on time. So. All right. And uh, I would tell you, um, create the competition, uh, make sure it's fair, uh, gets people involved, uh, manage, 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 uh, and, and, and go out there. Your job as a manager is to motivate and help people achieve the goals and, and win the game. Uh, so be a good manager. Kent, you're up and we're um, out. I would say it's a lot more beneficial to have a system like this in place because you're now balancing the risk versus reward. If it's ambiguous and you don't know, then you can't really throttle or manage any kind of performance boost. And having it there, taking the risk of saying there is a win-loss state is going to drive performance more than having it be ambiguous because the, the risk is higher because there is failure and the reward is higher because there is the risk. Um, all right, I'll lead us out here. We have a class December 6th and 7th. It's going to be about making the shop run easier. This class is all about developing the systems and processes necessary for successfully operating a shop. Uh, not only will you learn to develop your own systems and processes, but we'll be given some of the leading practices from workflow to office management that we have. Um, shops that have good processes and procedures run by themselves with minimal involvement, freeing up your time. Join us December 5th and 6th, or excuse me, 6th and 7th, uh, and start creating a self-sufficient shop. Um, you guys can also find a lot of Leading Edge episodes on Spotify and iTunes by looking up the, uh, the Institute's Leading Edge uh, and also find out more information about the Institute at ifrave.com. Thank you. <laughs> what's, our, what's our next uh, topic? Our, our next topic is going to be about giving thanks, and this is uh, kind of an all-encompassing. We've got uh, Thanksgiving up, uh, but it's really about showing customers and employees appreciation and maybe a little bit of customer retention, uh, just showing appreciation all around, right? Make people feel good about everything that you do about having the yay. business it's we wouldn't be in business without them so yay yay team <laughs> and uh thanks for being here guys and and all of you that came on board thank you for uh coming on board and we will see you again soon take care thanks have a good day join us next time on a special holiday episode of the institute's leading edge subscribe at institutes leading so you don't miss out or find us on itunes and spotify at the leading edge join the institute group on facebook and get advice from other top shop owners as well as our experienced consultants brought to you by the institute for automotive business excellence thanks for listening